hello, my name is Lorenzo Van Ness, and I will be having a conversation with oh, sorry, uh, Zephyr Daniel Merker Herrera. Merker Herrera, sorry, uh, for the New York City Trans Oral History Project in collaboration with the New York Public Library's Community Oral History Project. Uh, this is an oral history project uh, centered on the experiences of trans-identifying people. Um, today is the 17th of uh, March, and this is being recorded at uh, Little Skips. Yeah. Great. So uh, why don't we start, why don't you say your name and your pronouns and stuff? I'm Zephyr. My pronouns are they, them. Cool. How old are you? Uh, I'm 22 years old. Okay, cool. Um, and uh, do, do, do. where were you born and when and all that good stuff? I was born in Queens, a Long Island Jewish, uh, in 1995, on 9-11 actually. Oh, wow. Has impacted my life in many ways. Uh, I moved to Argentina when I was about two. Mm. Spanish was actually my first language. And then when the economy collapsed in Argentina, as the music gets louder. <laughs> yeah. At least the, I like the span. Okay. Yeah. It's your background music. It works. <laughs> uh, I lived in Buenos Aires for three years. When the economy collapsed in Argentina, I moved to California. And I spent most of my life there until moving back to New York for college. Okay, cool. Sweet. Yeah. Um, so, uh, did you, were you, when you were in Argentina, or what, when you were here too also, were you with your parents? Did you live with your grandparents? Yeah, I like, lived with uh, my parents. They split up when I was about 10 and divorced officially at 15. Okay. So, yeah. Did you have any siblings? No, just some cats. Okay, how many cats? Um, my first cat was named Hercules. I got him when I was five. My second one was Zesty. We had him for about a year before he died because he was sick. Um, and then I had Dewey for about 10 years. Okay. And he got run over by a car. Which I know that sounds like such a mood switch, but he died the way we met him, basically. Where he escaped the ASPCA. Oh. So he died the way he lived. I was sad, but I feel like it's how he wanted to go. Okay. And I currently have Rika, who's four years old. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, do you, uh, so what was it like growing up uh, in Argentina? And I really liked it. I was like such a little tomboy. I was on the t-ball team. My dad coached because I was the only girl at the time. And yeah, I just had a lot of fun. Uh, my parents wanted me to learn English because I was really stubborn about it, about not speaking English. Yeah. So they uh, found some like American families in the area who happened to be Texans. Which led to this little New Yorker having this Texan accent in Buenos Aires. Uh, yeah, it, yeah, it was kind of weird. And every once in a while, like, there's the slightest twinge, but not that much. Okay. But yeah. That's cool. So I did that. I was always really into sports. I signed up for soccer in California. Or my parents signed me up. I started there when I was, like, six. I was doing jiu-jitsu during the winter. Because, like, it, it, I, like, it's not as cold as New York, but it's enough that you don't want to be out playing soccer. So I did jiu-jitsu for a long time as a kid. I did soccer. Um, I ended up, like, my, my family's very sporty. Both my parents are runners. They've done marathons. Um, I did soccer, like, throughout all school. I, uh, I went up until the JV team in high school uh, when I broke my wrist, and I was a goalie. So that kind of got in the way. So, yeah. There's a lot of sporty stuff. I was also really into music. I'm a classically trained percussionist, which is kind of fun. I did timpani in my wind ensemble. did auxiliary all the other years. We're getting out like the only girl quotation marks for these situations. Yes, yeah. funny. Wow. So you did a lot of you're extracurricular. So like, yeah, yeah, a lot of extracurricular. What about in school? Did you? In school, I would any? be there sun up to sundown, and it would be dark when I got to school and went home. 
Like especially, I got your really, choice or because of different activities that I was doing. Okay. <laughs> uh, especially like, I would take A period classes so I could do more stuff. I I worked really hard so I could have an easy senior year and it did pay off. Um, I did like I said, I did an ensemble. I TA'd for my Spanish teacher, which ended up with me teaching Spanish class for a few weeks while she was injured. Wow. Yeah, she's still in, pain. in high school. Yeah, in high school, I was wow. leading the AP Spanish class because the the substitute didn't speak any Spanish, and it was mostly work work stuff, so it wasn't too hard. But yeah, that I also like I did track and field for a while again until I broke my wrist. And that was in California. It was in California. I went okay. to California High School. That's not a generic name. That's the name of the high school. It was okay. hilarious. It's like, where'd you go? I'm not kidding. This is the name. Yeah. Yeah. Or so I did shop. I did a lot of sports until I broke my wrist, and that kind of made me lose a lot of the fun. I was having a lot of, like, eating disorder issues because I wasn't comfortable with how my body was forming and the way I was putting on weight for sports. Because the shop, you have to get really big legs, and, like, my... My mom's Latina, and my dad, even though he's Jewish, has a bubble butt. So I just am very heavy down here. So the fact that I was just making it bigger and bigger made me feel worse and worse, and I couldn't, like, figure it out. Like I said, I was always a tomboy, but I didn't realize. I, I didn't, like, come out as non-binary until like, I was, like, 20-something. Okay. Yeah. Oh, very recent. Yeah, but I was, like, doing all the stuff. I wear the same clothes. <laughs> the same clothes. I don't... <laughs> yeah, it's just the words. It's just the words have changed, and, like, I've done some medical steps now. So, like, I had uh, top surgery almost a year ago now. I'm about eight months on hormones. So, yeah, that's been, like, the biggest change transition-wise. But I was always, like, gender non-conforming. And, like, I always call myself a tomboy. In elementary school, I used to call myself half-boy, half-girl. Which is, like, it's one of those things when you go back and, like, wow, I'm an idiot that I didn't know I was trans sooner. Like, my friend said the word transgender for the first time. I remember vividly. I was 15. We were at the lunch table. And she was uh, she was a lesbian. She was the first person out of my group of friends. Being queer, went around, like, the cold. One person sneezed. Someone else came out of something. But it's just kind of how it went. And, like, my friend said, uh, just, yeah, I can deal with homophobia, but I can't deal with transphobia. I am so protective of my trans friends. To which I said, I'd probably be a tr- bisexual trans guy. And I got pretty close. With that guess. So, even though I've been out only recently, I kind of was doing the thing for a while. I'm like, I was obsessed with Against Me for a long time, and it only made more sense as I went along. That's cool. Yeah. What was it like being, like, gender non-conforming in Argentina, and then here, or in California, and then also then coming to school in New York? It wasn't a big deal when I was, like, five. Like, since I was a baby, I would yell at pink. Not like, not like I saw the color pink and I would yell, but if my parents tried to dress me, I would cry. And they put a bow on me, it only worked until I could notice. There's these cute photos of me in like this little green dress and like a little baseball hat. I'm just this little tomboy. And like another one of me in overall, I look like a little boy. <laughs> and like, I remember in, uh, like in, in elementary school, people would ask me to show them my genitals to prove I was a girl. Yeah. <laughs> that was intense. Yeah. Um, How did you respond to that? I, I think I just showed them I was wearing girls' underwear. It's like, it's enough. But yeah, I was like such a tomboy. I always had my hair tied up, and I always wanted to cut my hair short. But like, since I was six, yeah, six was the first time someone's like, you sound like a boy. I'm like, I was six. We didn't look very different back then. I just had longer hair. But like, that's when it, the bullying for my gender started. It, like, probably the most vivid memory I have of it now, besides that first incident, is sixth grade, we had a substitute for PE, 
and I was trying to go to the girls' locker room to get dressed for PE, and she wouldn't let me in. And someone else had to vouch for me. So yeah. Did your parents ever find out about that? Or? About that, I don't know. I, they knew that not I. Knew that. No, not not from the teachers either, because it wouldn't have been brought up. But like, I always had issues with like going to the bathroom or just being in spaces because I was kind of weird. Like after a while, like when I was menstruating, I learned I could just hold a tampon and no one would ask me a question because like men are too weak to hold tampons apparently. Yeah. Yeah. Like kryptonite. Actually. It's like kryptonite. You you show a man a tampon and they shrink. Yeah. Yeah. But so that for me that was like a sense of security is just hold the tampons like, like I belong in here. Don't <laughs> Yeah. It's your bathroom pass. Basically, yeah. I needed a hall pass to go to the girls' room. Yeah. So I always dealt with like people not thinking that. I tried really hard when I was fifteen. A lot of stuff happened when I was fifteen, honestly. Like I broke my wrist, my parents divorced, that was my last year on the soccer team, my last year doing like track. Uh, the year I discovered the runaways as a band which like moved me into punk rock very directly for that I only listened to Ricky Martin and Adam Lambert of course <laughs> um, but uh, yeah I tried really hard because I was on the girls JV team with soccer and they were all very like feminine like they had long hair they wore Uggs and skinny jeans so I got skinny jeans uh, I like tried to let my hair grow out a bit but like I always like cutting it short about twice a year ponytail cutting it short again like I had that like phases of like like, the stereotypical phases of, like, purging and doing that, where I'd get the girls' clothes and then I'd be so uncomfortable. I always felt like I was in drag. There's nothing wrong with drag. I just was very uncomfortable because I was, like, trying to do makeup. I was wearing, like, girls' shirts that have that, like, like, instead of, like, unisex shirts, like, are horizontal from the floor of the bicep. It's, like, the weird 45-degree angle ones that I always had big shoulders, too, so it hurt my armpits. And I tried it all and it was just terrible. And my mom was, like, uh, birth name. If you don't start dressing more like a girl, you can't keep getting mad at people for misgendering you. Because back then they'd misgender me as a boy. And like, I tried it, and then it's like, okay, I just can't get mad. Actually, it did upset me. Oh, really? When they misgendered you? As a boy, yeah. Because yeah, I very strongly felt like I am... Like, then I felt very much like I was a girl. I was just a different kind of girl, and that was okay. And, like, it was very frustrating for me, because I, I was very much, like sort of girl power type thing it's like I can do anything uh, as a girl and like no one can stop me and I'm glad that I'm in all these like masculine spaces as a girl and like yeah. being myself and I also ID to straight which maybe that was part it's vegan thanks that's my partner oh okay yeah. cool um and so it, it would upset me. And after a while, my mom was like, you have to either like dress more like a girl, stop getting upset. And when dressing like a girl didn't work, I just had to stop being upset. And for me, I had to just get to a point where it's like, the people who matter know, and people who don't know don't matter. So I just kind of went with that. And for me, like being misgendered by strangers, which like now I'm often more, more often misgendered as a guy, and I go more into guy spaces. Like I started passing really frequently at around six months, but I always kind of passed as male before. So it's just kind of I am non-binary and I'm non-binary all the time, even when people don't see it. Yeah. Like it was very refreshing to be misgendered as a guy once I started T. 
because before that I was starting to get misgendered as a girl almost all the time. Yeah. So I'd lost that ambiguity. So it was fun, and now it's just kind of I'm being misgendered again. Yeah. But I just have to remember, people who matter know. People who don't know don't matter. Yeah. What was it like in terms of like uh, getting from that place of being like I'm a different type of girl to I'm not a girl? I sometimes still struggle struggle with that because I do want to be an example of that because I didn't as a kid I never saw anyone who looked like me especially like being like my dad's Jewish my mom's Latina uh, and my Spanish is my first language I had a quinceanera but like people would regularly invalidate my Hispanidad because I was pale but at the same time because my dad's Jewish I don't like technically qualify as Jewish so I've always oh, yeah. been in this like no man's land where like most people like a lot of people think I'm German just because I have kind of Germanic features but that's I'm very Jewish so it just kind of comes through in a weird way where I have high cheekbones but like my father's face but, like the rest of it <laughs> I've looked like my father's twin since I was a kid. So, I was just always like, what was the question? I got. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I went to wherever you want to go. Have to make stuff. I think I was asking about going from. Oh yeah, from the, yeah, because oh yeah, I never saw anyone who looked like me until I like saw Tegan and Sarah. Because like we had a kind of similar haircut. They were like shorter. They were, they they had faces that were just kind of like mine. I'm just kind of like, I look like them. This is the first time I've seen anyone who looked like me in media. And, like, I know that there are other, like, little little girls or, like, future trans folks who are, like, just, you know what I mean by that. Like, just, like, kids who don't have anyone to look up to. And I wanted to be that. So, like, coming to terms that I needed testosterone to alleviate my own dysphoria was, like, a struggle. And, like, I am non-binary, that's okay. Yeah. Kind of that kind of thing. So I've just always been in this no man's land of like, I always identify with another in a weird way. Like when I lived in California, I identified as a New Yorker. And when I'm in New York, I do ideas in New Yorker because I was born here. But I also acknowledge the fact that I spent a lot of time in California that affects like a lot of my knowledge and my slang and like the fact that I miss the sun. I miss the sun. <laughs> yeah. Um, what's your relationship like with your family? It's, like, mostly okay. It's a little rough sometimes. I think, like, moving away from them made it easier because I had a little more control. It was difficult to be so close to my parents. They still in California? Yeah. Uh, Yeah, both of them are in California in uh, different cities. My dad and I are very, like, similar with temperament for the most part. We're both, like, very athletic into the gym. Like I said, I look just like him. And, like kind of a calmer temperament but I do have like a hidden temper from my mom I've kind of so it's like I'm very calm and then I'm not so you can usually see like right before I get loud I get quiet I know I've I've seen my dad cry maybe once I sobbed with my mother on the other hand and I don't know how much of that is gender because my mother like watches football while she irons so that, also that I think that's what was difficult for me realizing I was trans. My mother was like masculine but feminine. Like she liked football. She would make sure I was doing sports and like roughhousing. But like she also wears makeup and like waxes and like makes sure she's like a pretty Latina and that kind of stuff. So it's it's mostly good, but moving away has made it easier for me because okay. I have a little more control on the relationship and like how often we talk and like what they can see online. Yeah. 
Yeah. Cool. What about the, your extended family? Do you have any in New York? Or? Yeah, my cousin Zach is somewhere in the city. I should talk to him at some point. Uh, my dad grew up in Long Beach on Long Island. So I have, like, I call her my fake grandmother. Because all my grandparents are dead, but my dad grew up across the street from her. Like, literally across the street. So when I go visit, I can look out the window and see my dad's house as a kid. And, like, he has uh, two older sisters. And, like, they've all been pretty accepting. I know my Tia Tony, uh, she's not trans, but she did change her name at one point from... Oh, I don't know what it is, but she goes by Tony now. That's great. Yeah, that kind of stuff. You want to take a break? No, it's okay. Wait. I'm just trying to fold this. Okay, no worries. Um, my dad's side, or that's my dad's side. My mom's side, I always forget how many siblings she has. Some of them are dead. They know I'm trans. My mom, like, told them. So I don't know exactly how much they understand. But, like, I'm not the first queer person in my family. My aunt was a lesbian. That was probably the first queer, AFAP person I knew. Though I don't know if she'd use that word. But, yeah. Okay. So how long have you been in the city now? Uh, I moved here August 2013. I've been living, like, after college. I moved here just over a year ago now. I lived about a block from here. I'm not even kidding. Where did you go to school? And stuff? I went, oh, I went to St. John's University in Queens. Yeah, they gave me a lot of financial aid. <laughs> yeah. And I dormed uh, for one year. I did abroad with someone whose nickname was ironically my birth name, which I went by at the time, so that was okay. It was funny. And yeah, so I did that. I lived in an apartment in Jamaica, and then now I live in a queer field. It's a queer collective in Bushwick. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, what did you like study in? I studied English, to which a lot of people were confused because I spoke English, to which my retort was always, it's my second language, cut me a break. But I just really liked writing and I wanted to use that. It was something that, like, I had trouble, especially because English is my second language, I had a lot of trouble learning how to read. Because, like, hooked on phonics doesn't work with a Spanish perspective. Because English doesn't make sense. So, like, enough, tough, three, thorough, all kind of look about exactly the same, but are all pronounced very differently. So going to Hooked on Phonics didn't work because I'd be like reading it out loud and we'd do that. We had to use the Palo Alto system. So it was a little bit late reading. It was around first grade. It's not too late, but it was like a little bit. Plus I was being bullied and like I liked being read to. <laughs> do you still like being read to? No, no, I like reading. Okay. Uh, I discovered fantasy as a genre. The book that like did it for me was My Father's Dragon. Okay. What's yeah. that about? It's just, it's a story this kid tells. His father had a dragon on the island of Tangerine, and eat tangerines, or he, the dad would eat the tangerines, and the dragon would eat the tangerine peels. And it was like their relationship, and I just really liked it. I have a tattoo of a dragon. So, yeah. Is it eating a tangerine? No. I was wondering. No, that, that'd be too many levels, because I also really liked, uh, I remember reading Aragon when I was around eight. And seeing that this 15-year-old was writing this book, I was like, I can do that. I'm only eight. So I started trying to write my first novel, which involved, like, guys. And then they'd be made over to cooler guys. Because I always really saw myself, like, all my avatars were dudes. <laughs> yeah. I always just... I feel like that's probably a common thing with trans folks. Of, like, I'd like to look like that. So I'm going to make that. <laughs> and then you're that online. Yeah. It's true. Mm -hmm. Where are we at? Let me, um, 
just check. Yeah. Cool. Um, um, what was it like when you first moved to New York? Uh, during school or when I moved after? Whatever, either one or both. Um, with school it was kind of scary because I wasn't used to like not checking in with my parents every time I went anywhere. And like I was very much in a suburban setting, so I would drive, I'd text my parents, I'm gonna be out this time, I'll be home then. And even then that was very little because I didn't start like doing teenage stuff till I was seventeen. Like I just went home all the time. I didn't know people didn't have friends. I also didn't have friends in middle school and didn't realize that until I was in high school and people were asking me to hang out. I was like, oh, oh, you mean most people don't hang out with their parents all day? Yeah. <laughs> I would just read a lot. I'd read, like, the comics in the newspaper and, like, books. And then I started, like, exploring the internet, like, in high school because my friends were on it. And I made friends online and that was cool. I had, like, a, a, a username that one of my friends gave me for Neopets, like, way back when. Mm-hmm. And I used that till I was, like, 18 for everything ever. So I could kn- so I always knew if my friend hadn't been on there first because the username wouldn't be available. Yeah. But, like, in a lot of ways, I was just like, I'm bad at naming stuff. <laughs> so I just took that name yeah. for, like, my online stuff, especially because, like... You can't be yourself online, though, like, now, like, everyone's like, here's my Facebook and my face and my exact address. Here I will be until this time. I will be leaving then. Yeah. It can be a little creepy. Yeah. 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 So I moved and, like, I got really involved, uh, like, almost immediately with Taking Back Queens, which is a DIY booking agency in Queens where we do, like, punk shows and pop punk shows. And I just immediately just got immersed in... That was my end to the music scene, because I was really into punk, and, like folk punk, so it was nice to just kind of, I just sort of fell in. I saw the ad on like St. John's University as an artist for a, an acoustic show that was free. Like, okay, I'm going to take my camera, because it, it was like a security blanket, because like I go to the show by myself, because I have a camera, and I have a task. So I went there and like talked to the folks. I got myself to play like the sh- a show there next week, and then I just started volunteering. And I st- I'm like the assistant director now. We're part of the Punk Island Collective, which is like it's a collective that throws a music festival once a year, uh, in, uh, often on Father's Day. Uh, it's this year. It's going to be on like Randall's Island. Uh, it was last year. It's been on Governor's and Staten Island. So I just immediately got involved in the punk scene, and through the punk scene, and especially the Brooklyn punk scene, I mean just a lot of queer people, a lot of like non-binary and other like types of trans folks, and just I was like buried in it, and that was just kind of where I was. So for me, that was there was something I did every weekend, and like we still put on shows now, and like I said, we're still part of the collective. I don't know who I would be if the guy who was running it hadn't taken a chance on me that that day. Part of the reason he he passed a few months ago, and he had planned a show, and he passed right before it. So he played like a his wake. He planned his wake. It was a little dark, but yeah, a lot of who I am today, I have to thank to Dick Parker. It's a little weird, yeah. What did you, what was your relationship with him? It wasn't particularly close, but it was the fact that he did take a chance, not just on me, but on so many other like teens, like. The cohort was uh, like these three boys from Queens that were all in high school, and like they would set up the mic stands, and we just ran shows. And I met a lot of cool people like Pierce Lightning and other people, and uh, Kirby. And I met all these people, so I started going to shows where they were playing, which is like Manhattan, Lower East Side, and Brooklyn. 
and I met more and more people that way, and I just kind of got immersed in this like very colorful queer punk community. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Um, are you still involved in that community? Or? Yeah, I'm still part of Punk Island, so oh, yeah. I'm there all the time. I go to shows as much as I can. Are you in a band rough. or something? Or? Um, my voice is changing, so I've kind of taken a bit of a hiatus. But I have a band, My Own Confusion. We do folk punk and like alternative emo. Uh, I have a full length that I'm just waiting to get the masters for. And then that's going to be put out with my old voice, so that's going to be trippy. Because I've gone from being an alto to a baritone. Which is like kind of a big drop. I used to be able to hit a C5, and now I can hit an A4, I think. Yeah, an A4. Yeah. It, for people who like know the notes, will be like, yeah. oh, I know what that means. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see. Do, do, do. do you remember any uh, great stories from when you were younger? Like something silly that happened to you, or I don't know. Hilarious, embarrassing. Mm. It wasn't a lot of, like, good, funny, embarrassing things that happened. Like, I got pantsed once, but that was in jiu-jitsu class. And we were playing a game where you were pulling people down, so that... Not, I don't know, the story of how I broke my wrist is rather vivid. So, um, I was lifting a lot of weights for uh, track and field, because the shop, but I'm only 5'4". And, like, the other girls on the team were, like, 5'8", and, like, 170 pounds. <laughs> and I was not. <laughs> So what everyone else had in like size, I had to make up with just like power and speed in that moment. Because Shapa, you jump back really quickly. So one exercise we do to strengthen those muscles is a clean, which is you uh, go way down, you grab the barbell and you lift it up and then you use your hands to kind of pop forward and catch it, putting your elbows up and squatting down doing a squat like that. Because it has a lot of boost, a lot of energy and a lot of leg power, which is what you need. So I was I was cleaning 125 pounds. I did that except I didn't get my elbows up, and all of a sudden there was just a snap. Yeah, and like my spotter, who was like about my same size, who's like an inch taller than me, just like oh god, comes up to me and like hurries up and just like it hurts, but it was also numb at the same time. It was swollen. It's just kind of like this. It's like I think I'm gonna have my mom pick me up. And I, we go to urgent care to get it checked out. My coach is like, you're going to be fine. Put some tape on it. Come back tomorrow. Turns out it was fractured. Yeah. <laughs> so I come back in, like, this blue cast, which I'm so excited to have everyone sign because I've never had a broken bone before. Just kind of like, yeah. It was like, well, I, I guess I can have everyone sign it now. Just came back and saw my coach. was like, yeah, it wasn't fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is that the only time you ever had a cast? No, I broke my toe um, December 2015, 2016, one of those. Yeah, like 2016, because I got this, this tattoo. I got a tattoo about the same week. Basically, I had been dumped by a text on a Monday, broken my toe, uh, or, or booked a tattoo appointment very impulsively. Uh, broke my tattoo because it was very windy and the door where I was living I wasn't really legally living there but like the door flew open there's this big plastic pane that functioned kind of like a window it just fell on my toe my toenail is still ugly from this 
and like it's still ugly and I was just like oh no I probably broke my toenail I'm gonna lose it like it's fine I'm just trying to go to sleep and it's like 2 a.m. it's like I'm in pain I should probably go to the hospital so I walk across the street to the hospital oh just I go there first thing in the morning it's across the street it was across the street <laughs> but I walked to the hospital which they thought they're just like you walked here it's like yeah I live across the street and they're like alright sir then they look at my date it's like we need you to pee in a cup make sure you're not pregnant also it was on my period so there was a lot going on this week. So I like here's what's cool. Before I realized I'd broken it, I went to the, the tattoo uh, consult. Had the consult for the tattoo. Then I go back like a few days later. I'm on crutches, and they're like, "You just got work says this week went along." It's like, yeah, I did. So I'm like, no joke. Yeah, I had a broken toe. I had like a this boot on it. Where like it was ridiculous because like what did it break? I broke my toe. And I had this big boot and it's so incapacitated. It just made me rethink a lot about like kind of my ableistic tendencies. I'd never really had an injury like that before and it was kind of wicked. But yeah, I got a really good tattoo and a hell of a really no good, very bad week. <laughs> where yeah, it's um it's a tattoo from one of my favorite bands uh, Ramshackle Glory which is the singer and writer's Pat the Bunny. The song is Your Heart is a Muscle, The Size of Your Fist, Keep on Loving, Keep on Fighting, and Hold On for Your Life. Just something that I had already liked and I just really needed for myself in that moment. And, like, it looks dope. It's a hand holding a heart with the banner saying, Keep on Loving, Keep on Fighting. Cool. Yeah. I've gotten uh, the three tattoos on this arm from the same shop in the Bowery. So I kind of like how it's a consistent but different aesthetic. It's been a different artist each time. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um... Uh, who is someone who's the most important person in your life? My cat. <laughs> Does that count? Yeah. Yeah, sure. I, I call her my daughter because she's four years old and drives my life crazy and she's probably going to give me gray hairs. <laughs> yeah, she also scratches me a lot. She's not very nice. I don't know why I love her so much. She wakes me up in the middle of the night. She's bitten my face. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> but we call her Rika. Okay. Uh, when we adopted her from the SPCA, her name was Eureka. But my mom's Costa Rican. So we're like, no, let's call her Rika. So we just spell it R E E K A. And pronounce it Rika. Cool. Yeah. That's funny. What, what does she look like? She's a little calico, chubby meat pillow. Like, she does this thing that I call the chicken dinner. Because she looks... So, you know when you buy a rotisserie chicken from the grocery store? It looks like you have it upside down with, like, her drumstick sticking up. And she just, like, lies on her back and just looks really cute. I describe her as a people hoe because she loves humans but hates other cats. Okay. Yeah. Cool. We currently have two other cats on my floor. Okay. So that's fun. Because she gets along okay with one of them. The other one she fights with. Unless he's eating her food, in which case she's fine with it. Which bugs me because I feel like she should fight that. Yeah. Uh, who knows? Yeah, you gotta raise Cat someone. logic. Yeah. They say that cats release like something that makes you obsessed with them, and I'm not sure that they're wrong. Yeah. Once upon a time, they were, were uh, upon as gods. They've never forgotten this lesson. It's true. Yeah. That is very true. Yeah. Um, what about um, who's someone who's inspired you? Uh, in your life I guess Laura Jane Grace the singer of Against Me just because she's like 
she writes, she's trans, she's a singer-songwriter, she's like, is a parent. It's like she kind of does all the things that I really wanted to do when I was younger. Because I really wanted to go on tour with my band. I've gone on tour with my band and it was such a great experience. And I want to be able to like continue to do that. I've learned a lot of things from her, like getting tattooed as a way to treat depression. And also just as a trans person being tattooed to like modify my body in a way that makes me more comfortable. Something I re- so I really look up to her in a lot of ways. There's also like... <sighs> Fuck. I was reading something like good recently that I really liked. I, um... Yeah, I guess like, I like Leslie Feinberg's writing. Again, another writer who's like trans. The fact that like, uh, Z was Jewish. And her book kind of goes through all that. That was really cool. Yeah. A lot of my inspirations come from writers and stuff. Yeah. Uh, what did community mean to you? I'm not sure I've defined it. I guess people who... What does it look like right now? I mean, right now I live with 10 people, so that's kind of community. It's a queer collective where we try to, like, we're trying to live by the ideals that we spout of, like, sharing stuff. So, like, it's totally normal and acceptable for people to go to a different floor and be like, hey, you have any potatoes, milk, sugar? Uh, There's this really good snow day that we had recently that was just kind of beautiful because one person ordered pizza, someone else came down and was like, does anyone have hot chocolate? I'm like, I have hot chocolate. So they made hot chocolate, another roommate and I made vegan banana muffins and we just were all kind of hanging out and just very much putting what we had and putting it together so that we all had something and I thought that was really beautiful I guess community to me means sharing banana muffins deep yeah. <laughs> a little bit yeah I had a lot of bananas my uh, one of my roommates used to be like a like a bakery chef and like had a delivery business yeah it was a really cool and like family type moment and I enjoyed it I believe strongly in chosen family. At this point, I have two gay sons and one gay cousin. Where it's like, none of these people are related, but like, you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Tell me more about that, your chosen family. Um, uh, My gay cousin, also my punk cousin, because we met through Taking Back Queens and stuff. And he was like starting on T just when we like started to meet each other, and I was identifying gender non-conforming at that point, and there was one non-binary person. I remember all three of us were hanging out one day. He told me I did say something that hurt him, but I'm really glad we stuck, we stayed friends, because both of us, like, we both grew very much together. There was a point where we were both true scummy transmedicalists, and we both learned from that at around the same time, where it's like, oh, no, that's bad. <laughs> but we had that phase, and that's partially why I was, like, hesitant to come out as non-binary, because I didn't, like, recognize my dysphoria as real. I thought it was, like, related to my eating disorder. Mm-hmm. Then I was like, oh, no, this is gender. <laughs> Whoops. Can you define transmedicalist? Uh, transmedicalist is, is just kind of a way of thinking of trans identities. It's very gatekeeping and is often, like, unless you experience all this type of dysphoria, you are not trans. Oh, if you're it. trans and don't want to medically transition, you're not trans, mm-hmm. which, like, isn't true. Like, you do not have to do anything. You can, all you have to do is say, I'm trans, and that makes you trans. Yeah. And that makes you trans enough. Like, I don't think people choose to do this. <laughs> a little annoying. Yeah. Like, it'd be nice not to have to stick myself with a needle, needle once a week, but yeah. I guess I have to. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, you weigh your pros and cons, you know? Yeah. Um, do... Let's see. 
What about, um, I guess you started talking a little bit about your relationship with other trans and GMC folks. Um, can you talk a little bit more about how you see yourself in, within the community or outside of the community, whatever? Well, you met me at Grand Street uh, with, um, with Gender Exploration Movement, which is like a t uh, TGNC POC focused uh, like advocacy group. We're actually going to speak at Northeast Queer and Trans People of Color Conference. This weekend? Well, next weekend. Whenever this comes up. At some point. I'm, we're going to speak there on kind of like, we wanted to call it decolonizing, but they were particular about that word. So we're going to bring it back in on the back end of relearning gender beyond the binary outside of the Western perspective. Where I kind of want to talk about, like, especially like having grown up with such binary language, like the X and Latinx or the E. I want to have a discussion there with a bunch of people who want to have that conversation. Because I don't think this conversation's done on how do we neutralize but not neuter the Spanish language in a way that becomes more accepting. And also the six classical genders of Judaism. Because I feel like that's something that's really forgotten, especially with like the imperialist tendencies of Christians and Catholics. In, in like kind of obliterating everything and making it this and that. And like I say this as a person of faith. I have a tattoo of Eve in the at Garden of Eden on my arm. Like religion is important to me and I want to talk about it through that but I guess within the community I see myself as an advocate and I'm glad that I'm doing that and I want to continue to do that like I said the first time I heard the word transgender I was like oh I'd probably be trans and then didn't go back to it for five years I wanted to be like a more normal part of the conversation and I want to be present and also make it accessible to people who are closeted because I wasn't out in high school like, I hung out with a lot of people who were LGBTQ+, but I wasn't out myself. So I kind of wanted to be, like, something so normal that even if you're scared, you can at least know it for yourself. Yeah. You, you mentioned that you uh, used to identify as straight. Like, what do you identify as now? Or how do you identify? Uh, bisexual. In all the ways. Like, bisexual, queer. I'm a white-passing, mostly able, neurodivergent, <laughs> uh, trans person of color, I think I said white passing at some point, which is important to acknowledge, because I do get a lot of privilege for that. But yeah, I'm bi-ethnic is the word I usually use. Okay. Just because, like, I'm a white Hispanic, so I'm not technically biracial, mm -hmm. even though, like, if you look at, like, my mom and I did, like, the DNA thing, so I know for sure that I do have, like, some Central American indigeneity, but I also have a shit ton of Spaniard because colonization. Yeah. <laughs> I think about that a lot. Yeah. And kind of like where my place is with that. Like I said, I've never found a binary I could agree with. I'm bilingual, I'm bicoastal, I'm bisexual, I'm bi-ethnic. I when I did track and field I was a sprinter and a thrower. I just I can't pick a side. If someone says pick a side, I say yes and do everything. Okay. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Give me a binary. I'll disagree with it right now. <laughs> I try really hard all the time. <laughs> Let's see. What else? Uh, what does companionship mean to you? Can you like define that a little bit more? Um, what, like, is, what do you mean by companionship? I think, I think what they're asking about is like, what do, what do like romantic relationships look like in your life? For me? Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I'm polyamorous, so that does get complicated. Like, it feels like kind of like every queer person broke polyamorous nowadays. 
and like we're like the spit chain uh, is all too close. <laughs> People have like if I mention I like someone, they're like that looks like blank. I'm just like don't say that. I know, <laughs> I know. <laughs> that looks like you. I know it happens. <laughs> Queer culture is dating someone where you both have the same birth name, and it's weird. <laughs> A few months. Neither of us go by our birth names anymore, but we had, like, phonetically the same name, and I thought that was funny. That's funny. Yeah. It was weird, yeah. too. It was weird. So, like, it's been a lot of... I've been really into researching relationship anarchy and kind of, like, what that means for me and, like, recognizing every person you talk to is a relationship and, like, the dynamics can be different and levels of commitment and, like, physicality are totally different. And that's okay. So that, for me, that's something I'm very much still learning and exploring. Like, I currently have a partner, and I love them a lot. They're great. I'm not just saying that because they were sitting right next to you. <laughs> they didn't hear you, so it's whatever. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like, I don't know. Romantically speaking, companionship has a lot. Like, I need people to understand dysphoria. But thankfully, I'm not. Like, especially after having top surgery, there's not too much that makes me dysphoric. Well, actually, no, that's a lie. There's a lot of things that make me dysphoric, but not naked. I don't know. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah, okay. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, friendship for me is very important. Like, I have a queer platonic partner, which if someone doesn't know that means it's it's platonic, but on a very, like, deep kind of level. Queer platonic is someone... You, you would like move in with or like sign a contract with like they're my emergency contact at hospitals that kind of like but not romantic like we say I love you but it's platonic yeah where do you know them from? Tinder we used to date then we broke up <laughs> and now they're my best friend so. oh that's great yeah it, that's queer that's queer culture it's being best friends with your ex yes yeah <laughs> um so I guess I don't know, I guess what does, is there anything else that you would like to talk about? I don't know. I guess I'd like to talk about, like, the, the prompt, like, tell me a time when you felt seen. It doesn't happen often, so when I am seen, it is really cool. At my job uh, as a barista, there, like the company as a whole has a lot of like queer people and like a good number of trans folks. Like it's a barista, it's queer culture. <laughs> but at my shop particularly, most people are straight, and they all use my pronouns, which are they them. And like with no hesitation, if a customer gets it wrong, like we don't go out of our way to correct it, but my, they won't pretend that that's my pronoun for whatever moment. So someone would be like, oh yeah, you're doing a great job in that latte art. It's like, yeah, they are doing a great job. And just kind of like really subtle. And for me, that feels very seen. Or like the executive director at Taking Back Queens. It, like she's straight, but she like has been learning a lot. Like there was uh, like, like a baby butch was at this thing. They were all girls and she was a lesbian. She's like 15 probably. But like very like short hair, boys clothes. One point, uh, Arlene checks in with like uh, her girlfriend's like, "What is this person's pronouns?" And they're just kind of like, "She, her. What else would it be?" Because like it doesn't occur to her. Yeah. But I'm in the back, 
with my gay son, who's like another trans guy, we're both like being read as dudes, even though I'd like straight up and like do my makeup and like being like a little more fun than I usually am. And just kind of, they were talking about, I'm going to talk about menstruation again, but they're talking about, man, I hate it when you're putting in a tampon and the applicator falls out. To which I just said, with no hesitation, oh my god, yeah, I hate it when that happens. They were like, what the fuck is this guy talking about? It's like, yeah, I hate it when that happens. And then, like, my gay son, who, like, there are too many people in the car, so he's on my lap. He's like, oh my god, I hate that too. They're like, what are these guys talking about? It's like, I guess they have periods. Where, yeah. And I love the fact that I hang out with so many other trans folks and non-binary folks who also use they, them pronouns. Like, at my job at Grand Street... Uh, there's three youth, like youth peers, advocates. Uh, all of us are trans-identified. Two of us use they, them. Uh, one of us uses he, him, and my direct supervisor also uses they, them. It was kind of fun to just have this queer family where it's wherever we go, it becomes a queer space because we make it. We decolonize and just make it queer. That's cool. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Are there other things that people, if like people didn't know you like something they need to know to know you sometimes I hold this back to be a dramatic reveal but the fact that I speak Spanish fluently and have like a decent Spanish accent which is una saying perdido just because I've moved around a lot yeah and like there's a big Puerto Rican Dominican presence in New York City in California there's a lot of Mexicans I learned Spanish first in Argentina my mom's Costa Rican so I've all and I I also studied abroad in Spain for about a semester. So I learned a lot of words there. So it comes to think of it, how did how did you how did your family get to Argentina? If you're my mom had worked there. Okay. Yeah, she worked with insurance. She worked with AIG back in the nineties. Okay. Um, then she worked with, I think she was working with AIG in the Latin America unit in Buenos Aires. And then when the economy collapsed, we were like, let's get out. <laughs> Which unfortunately we couldn't do in two thousand eight. We had a lot of AIG stock, so we were very comfortable until that happened, and then things got a little hard. Which also means I can, like, class switch, whoops, uh, pretty easily. Like, I do a lot of code switching, being, like, both Latin and Jewish. And, like, in Argentina, we, because it's cheaper and my mom was making a lot of money, we had, like, a maid and a nanny. So I had a lot of privilege financially as a kid. And then it just kind of slowly went away, especially when the economic crash hit. So we had a lot of AIG stock that was going to be my college fund. And I kind of just watched it go away on TV mm-hmm. <laughs> in front of my eyes. Like, oh, oh, that sucks. So that's how we bought the house and everything. So, yeah. So, I guess the fact that I speak Spanish fluently, so I know what you're saying about me. <laughs> and just, yeah, I guess the fact that I haven't found a, bound, a binary that I could ever agree with. Okay. Yeah. Hard to read. Yeah. Do you want to <laughs> rotate it so you can see it? I don't feel like it. Okay. Uh, Wrap up questions. Oh, my sister's calling me. Actually, can we pause? Right yeah. All right. So, how do you feel emotionally and mentally and bodily right now? I'm okay. I'm a little tired. I did work today, mm. and I work a lot. I usually work six to seven days. Oh wow. Okay. So sometimes I don't check in with myself emotionally just so I can get through the thing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that makes sense. Do you only barista, or do you also do the I'm barista, and thing? I also do the advocacy thing. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So, between that, I'm usually pretty tired. Yeah. I'm feeling pretty good. This was a fun conversation. That's great. Yeah. Glad. Um, let's see. Uh, 
kind of already asked you that. Uh, if you want to be remembered for one thing, what would it be? I still want to write a really good book. It doesn't have to be the next great American novel, but I want to like, but I kind of do. <laughs> so yeah, I get. I guess I want to do that or like, at least, like I'm, I really like my writing. And even if it is singing and tour, we're like, if I can be known for like one book or one really good album that connects to a lot of people, or a very legitimate legal change when it comes to trans people in the healthcare system. Any one of those three would be fine. Okay. You know, small goals. Yeah, <laughs> small goals. Just, yeah. <laughs> um, is there anything else that uh, you know? Uh, no, wait, sorry. Is there anything else you want to add? I don't know. Any last thoughts? Trans is here, and we're going to keep being here. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Sweet. Cool. All right. Well, thank you so much for the interview. Yeah, thank, thank you, you for, for everyone who's listening. Bye. 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 <laughs>